Welcome to the Swim Swam podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, we've got a very special guest. He is a member of the USA Swimming National Team. Uh, he just came out of the breaststroking scene uh, and on the national scale uh, in the last couple of years, but um, he's certainly made waves and made a name for himself in these in these last 18 months. We've got Brandon Fisher today. Brandon, how's it going? Um, it's going well. Just um, been really busy with working my full-time job and, and, uh, trying to make do with, uh, the current circumstances we're under and yeah, can't complain. <laughs> I talked to Andrew Wilson the other day, also, you know, kind of an interesting story, got, got a lot better with age. And then, um, and then, you know, you've got an interesting story as well, and we've reported on it, but I've never gotten to sit down in, in a setting like this and talk to you about it. So I'm, I'm excited to hear your swimming journey. Um, but let's start with kind of the present, like you said, you're working a full-time job, um, and you're also trying to balance training in a time when getting, getting pool space can be difficult. Um, how is, how have just these last couple months been for you? Well, um, it's, I, I have to say it has been challenging to say the least. That's an understatement. Um, I, I swim at a private, um, pool where I have an agreement with the owner and it's, um, I have to just fight for pool lane space. Cause I'm not the only one who uses it. I mean, you got people from outside I mean, it's a six lane, six lane, 25 yard pool. It's not, I, I don't train in, uh, in like a 50 meter pool at all. I don't have access to one. And I just kind of do stuff in my garage. Like I have these gymnastics rings. I've been doing all these crazy, I think I'm, I'm almost afraid I'm going to blow my shoulders out, but through baby steps, you just kind of take those, um, little progressive steps to go in the right direction. Cause if you make these big leaps and bounds um, too soon, you do end up hurting yourself. So it, the biggest thing for me is listening to my body a little bit more, which has always been the most difficult thing. Cause I still have the mindset of like, let's just go <laughs> plow through it, <laughs> but take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. And you were able to get down to Irvine uh, and compete in the U S open uh, site there. Uh, I guess it's now a week or two ago. Um, and you, you know, you threw up one Oh one, eight, two thirteen, and the 200. Um, what'd you think of those performances and what was it like swimming long course in the first time in maybe, maybe a year? Yeah, it's been a year pretty much. Uh, I will, I will say that it's respectable, but it's not where I want to be right now. And I think that is very common across the board. So I'm not the only one who's saying that it, it was really good in the sense that I had not trained like long course or touched long course in sense. Cause I was at the Olympic training center in March when this whole thing went down and we just kind of had to book it back to town and my employer, which they were really concerned um, of saying, we need to get you back here ASAP because uh, we, we don't want to put the risk of our employees at the at the helm of this this thing that's kind of ravaging the planet right now um, and we want to preserve the intellectual property and the health and safety of our employees so i have to answer to higher up authorities uh, at the lab 
but also I have to be conscious and aware of my surroundings with everybody else that is close to me because I don't want to put them at risk either. Yeah, certainly. Um, and I mean, what, what was it like? What was it like just getting to race again in, in an environment, you know, like the U S open, obviously it's not like normally U S opens, but you know, still, still a big swim meet. It, uh, it was, it was really weird because it just wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't normal. Like you said, like any other meet or U.S. Open, I was and in the end, I was grateful that I was able to say, okay, I know where I'm at. I know where I need to go now. We got, we got a data point. It's like just a data point and where can we get more data and more of this spreadsheet of figuring out where, where am I going? Where do we need to go? What do we need to fix? Um, it was, it was uh, strange. It, it's a, uh, but it's, I, I like this, um, I try to carry this kind of philosophy with me where, I mean, I remember watching um, the, uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie, uh, uh, The Martian with Matt Damon. And so if anyone's seen that movie at the end, he talks about, um, he said, he talks about a couple things about the questions he's asked at the end of the movie. And the, the author who actually wrote the book and then they made a movie out of it. He actually worked at Lawrence of More Lab, so that's a <laughs> trivia. So <laughs> he, um, Mark, Mark Watney, that's portrayed by Matt Damon, says, was I going to die? Yes, I was afraid I was going to die. And that's what you have to know going in. And I'm not saying that we're going to, like, this is kind of an extreme case of saying this, but everything is going to go south on you at some point in your life. And it's, and I like talking about adversity because that's the other side of the coin that nobody really talks about. Everything's going to go south on you at some point in your life. And you're just going to have, you can just sit there and be like, what am I going to do? Play the victim game or start pointing fingers everywhere and saying why you're not where you want to be, or you get to work, you solve one problem, you get to the next one, you solve another one, you get to the next one, you solve another problem, you solve enough problems and you eventually end up where you want to be. They take longer than others, but, this life. And I think, you know, I, th I think adversity can be a big topic for today. Um, we can get into that in, in a, in a myriad of ways. First off, uh, let's, let's talk about quarantine, right? You know, you, uh, you were training at the Olympic training center in March when, when the COVID shutdown kind of hit it, hit the United States, uh, you book it back to Livermore. And then I'm guessing pools were closed in the Bay for quite a while. You know, tell me about, that those six months, you know, March to October, um, how, how are you trying to continue your training to stay in shape inside the pool, outside the pool? I mean, how, while again, working your full-time job, um, how'd you make it work during that period? Well, I, again, I had to, uh, say, all right, I got to take ownership and put them. This isn't the first time that I've had to have something stand in my way, but it's going to be frustrating, but, uh, but I got to just pull, got to go for it you got to take responsibility and ownership no one's going to save you you just go into that dark room and say what do i want to do with my life and and so i had a, my neighbor across the street he has a backyard you know one of those <laughs> makeshift like just you know backyard pools i mean I, I was having someone hold me and tether me with a with a rope like a bungee cord and i was swimming in the backyard and i was doing med balls and i was and doing stuff in the water and like i would it would take me like three strokes to get to the other side <laughs> but it was just kind of a nice um 
just to have touch with it. It'd be an hour. And then I'd go in the garage and I would do, I'd gather whatever I could and in resources and just made my garage into like a dungeon and just did some, have done some crazy stuff with body weight and, ex, ex, and experimenting and exploring how I can use gravity as a force against my body. When I look at gymnasts, I mean, they, they, they're just, they're, 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 they're crazy, but man, they, they are very, very fit, very cut. And they kind of work the body in a different way. And I found out that body position is a huge thing in the water and it's using gravity as a force against to help with your body position actually translates and helped with me with my streamline and body position staying on top of the water. So it's kind of a, a blessing in disguise. And, and then the hills around here are very, very hilly. It's a very hill, the golden hills of Livermore, as they say. And but it was, I was running in the hills and sprinting up hills, which God forbid, I, I'm not a, I'm not, not a land dweller and uh, riding a bike and doing a, pretty much the confines of everything was done inside my house. And so seems like you, through all these different forums, you were able to build strength, build body awareness, and get strong legs. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> pretty much. I mean, if I'm missing something, I haven't found it yet. But I mean, that's the, the, the paradox and mystery of life. So you got really creative and, um, I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but you've certainly had experience training by yourself, uh, in the past. Was this different? Um, or did that training by yourself in the past kind of lend itself to be, to, to you being able to say, all right, this is another hurdle and I have to do this on my own, but you know, I've, I've done this before and I'll do it again. Yeah, um, you are right. This isn't the, my first rodeo training by myself. Um, I mean, I, I've trained by myself for, for many, many years, and it's um, I didn't I didn't have the luxury of being able to train with um, with other people that that, that that kind of luxury. So I mean, some people have it, some people don't. And that's just life. And but the I'll take you back way back in time in the early stages of my life. So Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory did have, and this was back, we're talking back the 90s, okay? So we're going back. And they used to have a pool out there, believe it or not. And the, the Lawrence Livermore Lab was built back in the early 50s by founders of uh, Dr. Lawrence, uh, Lawrence and um, Dr. Um, Ed Teller. These were physicists, founders of the laboratory. And it was founded on upon a naval base that would, would train pilots. And there was nothing out here. It was just farmland out here. It was a naval base that was meant to train pilots to learn how to get out of their aircraft in World War II. And they would learn how to fly on, on, um, on aircraft carriers. But that was 70 plus years ago. Now. We're talking 80, you know, long time ago. So, but there used to be a pull out there and you used to, it used to be open to the public. And I would swim out there by myself a lot. And it was a diving well, like a diving, big diving, 50 meter diving tank. And it wasn't meant for doing laps. And when 9-11 happened, which I was there, it was pretty freaky, um, surreal moment. I, um, I was still training in the morning with my coach and it would just be me and her. It was raining. There was ice on deck. And I was 
just by myself with my coach and me. So this was back when I was 11 and 10 and I was just beginning year round and I had already done swimming beforehand, but it was just like, like need like three months with swim lessons, learning how to make sure I don't drown. So this isn't the first time I've had to walk a path alone. Sometimes the most defining paths of an individual are those that they have to walk alone. Swim alone. <laughs> Walk or swim alone. Uh, and how old were you when you were doing these laps in, in this big 50 meter dive well? Um, I was like 10, I was 11, 11 years old, 12 years old. So um, okay. I, the laboratory, they still had the pool up until like 2004, 2005, and then they buried it and, and stuff. I was actually there walking on site yesterday because i can do that um i kind of stood there and just uh, it was kind of one of those moments you see your younger self running across the pool deck that used to be there you start to see the landscape it was kind of very surreal and i just i stopped there for like 10 minutes and just stared out at this pool that doesn't exist anymore but i knew it existed because i'd been there (laughs) so many times and yes thought-provoking in memories definitely and so, so was that your, I mean, that sounds like your first, you know, kind of real, real swimming, real training by yourself. Did you eventually go on to join a club team or, you know, where did your swimming go from there? So there used to be a club team and this is when I did start year round swimming, which was when I was 11 and a half back in 2000, 1999. And it was as SRVLA, which is over in San Ramon, they had a satellite group out here at on labs property premises. And that's how I got, that was my, where I was doing, I was doing morning practices in the morning by myself with my coach and, and nobody wanted to come, but I came and I was like, <laughs> just doing my thing. And, and yeah, it was just, it was convenient too. Cause my, both my parents worked there at the lab too, as well. So it's, it was very nice and convenient for them. And I went on to do a different club teams and, and, uh, yeah, story goes on. Well, I mean, you know, you're swimming laps by yourself in a 50 meter pool. You're doing doubles by yourself or you, you know, going to morning practices by yourself. Um, why, you know, what, what drew you to the pool? What? Cause, cause most kids aren't, aren't making that decision. Right. Um, <laughs> why did, why did you choose to do that? Well, so this goes into um, a darker side of adversity. Again, we're going to be talking about another side of adversity. Up until this point, I had um, not a lot of friends. I, I wasn't, I, nobody wanted to play team sports with me. I, I was kind of that kid that would sit by myself underneath the tree, eating lunch by himself on a picnic table. I was that kid. Okay. I was that kid. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was bullied a lot. I had a learning disability. I'm a little more comfortable talking about it now because I didn't talk till I was five. Um, they, I was in special ed, and, but I knew I was smart and I knew I was, cause I was very visual. I was really good at putting things together and, um, and being very creative. I just had a delay process of learning slower and just not being quick. And that, that doesn't classify somebody as uh, mentally disabled. It's just, they learn differently. Um, I'm not very good with words, but dang, I'm a very good, I'm very good at smart figuring out visually words don't mean anything to me. Um, I'm a man of 
more about reading somebody through their actions. <laughs> and, and what's funny is I, I get the last word. They didn't think that I'd be an engineer or um, somebody who could work with their hands or good at math and science or any of this stuff. I'm working for an institution that works on the most cutting edge in R&D that you can ever imagine. Um, the thing is, I can't really talk about it, but that's part of the contract of signing up for it. So yeah. <laughs> but I love it. It's just um, sometimes the answers don't come later in life. And there's going to be some people, places, things, events, and circumstances that are just going to make your life completely difficult. And you just, sometimes you just got to, you got to, again, it's back to that reference of Mark Watney about solving problems. And also surrounding yourself with people that are going to help you get there because you can't do this by yourself. No way. Right. In right mind. Yeah. So, so, so as a young kid, um, it sounds, it sounds like the pool was the solace for you. It was the solace for me. It was the solitude. It was my sanctuary. I didn't want anybody to talk to me or bug me when I'm in that. I'm, when I get in that pool, I'm a different character. When I step out, I'm a different character. I just, when you, when I'm in there, you just, leave me alone. <laughs> just let me do my thing. Just, I mean, I, I, it's, it's learning how to balance then not be that person all the time and then step out. And because when I go to the lab, I'm in, I'm not the same person. I'm an engine. I'm a, I'm a technician. I'm a mechanical technologist trying to do my work. And then when I'm done with that job, I don't bring it home right now. I, it is home. Um, I go to the pool. I, I am a swimmer. That's it. When I'm, when I'm out of the pool, I'm just Brandon eating dinner. And then when I go to bed, I'm Brandon going to sleep. <laughs> so transitions. Yeah. And so when, when you were younger and when you were coming up on club teams, even did, did competing have an interest in you or did you mostly just like the, you know, that solace aspect of it? I think a lot of it had to do with the solace, but I was always that person who wanted to be the best at everything that I do. Always, I always want to do the very best at everything that I do. I always wanted to just want more. It's just my personality. I just am very ambitious. I, I'm, I, I'm not in just in the swimming world, but also in my career job. I mean, I'm going back to school still right now, which is ridiculously hard. So I'm going to school and working full-time and swimming full-time. So there is no room for room for like, activities so, but i understand that it'll pay off in the end and and so um you know i know i know you went to the university of wyoming but when did swimming and did swimming in college was that a goal of yours that came to be at a certain point um did you even you know think about that before you made that decision how, how did that come about um you know in your high school years well, I, I didn't, I was, when I was a sophomore, I wasn't thinking about college swimming as much. I wasn't exposed to it. Um, like now with most swimmers, it's interesting to see the progression of how the, the times changed. So when back then I wasn't thinking about college swimming, I was just thinking about how can I just be ridiculously fast at something that I love doing? Um, and so, and, and I went about, and then once I started going getting letters, I think it's when the letters started coming in. I was like, what the heck? Why does anybody <laughs> want to pay attention to me? I'm, like, I'm just, I just want to swim. <laughs> and I, and it's fine. I wasn't, I was so invested in swimming that um, 
that I just, it started happening so fast and I didn't have time to really um, uh, kind of take the time to really um, be critical and, and deciding which place I wanted to go at the time with the information that I had at my, at my, in my lap, I should say, and, and making the best informed decision at the time is the decision I made. Would I have made a different decision? Absolutely. It's, I mean, that's just the thing. I don't want to say hindsight 2020 <laughs> because oh, it's, it's kind of ironic. Um, but it, the, I just, May I, I didn't, wasn't thinking about college and I wasn't thinking about my future too much in that sense. Um, I just, it's, it's just funny as you get older, you start having a lot of reflection and self-awareness about what you're doing in the present moment, if you so choose to do it and then see the decisions you made um, reflect upon who you are now and where you're going. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh before we get into your experience at Wyoming, um, did you, you, you know, you run a club team, did you swim for a high school team? Um, you know, were, 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 was, was that team aspect an important part of your swimming, uh, in high school? Um, well, it was funny, like, yeah, cause I did swim in a high school team and I swam at Granada high in Livermore. And I was, I was kind of like the top dog and I just didn't, I wasn't really, it was funny. I just, I didn't really care too much about, um, at and um it's just kind of that yeah I'm, i was really successful at this point but i was always looking to the next goal i wasn't relishing in my successes too much i wanted to get to the next goal and, and like if i accomplish one goal and like yeah good job Brandon. like all right what's the next thing <laughs> like, um that's just my personality and it was it was really um uh, uh shaped a little bit about who i am and yeah so the high school was instrumental in a way in that high school swimming aspect but i didn't it wasn't challenging enough. I felt like it was just kind of an easy breeze. I got a lot of more like competition and club swimming. So mm -hmm. do you, do you have uh, a meet that stood out to you or, or, you know, favorite memory or two from your club swimming experience? Um, um, man, digging down memory lane here. Not, um, I think when I, when I was, early on and like it's funny i went from being coming being an age group swimmer like far westerns which is kind of the thing here mm -hmm. right over here i went from there to becoming <laughs> a like senior nationals uh qualifying swimmer and olympic trial qualifier in so quickly like just overnight like one year bam and i was just like because i put in the work i was going like 10 practices 7k per seven thousand yards per practice um I was doing like just 10 practices a week. I was falling asleep in class. I'm surprised that I didn't get trouble for it. Um, so that, that was, that was just, that was just how I just remember that part of that memory. So I'd have to go back and look at pictures and times cause that's a long way back. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, um, you know, like you said, you would have made a different decision or maybe not made the same decision, but you did end up, swimming at the university of Wyoming. Um, well, one interesting thing you, you get your degree in art and which now you're an engineer. Um, so yeah. tell, you know, tell me about your experience at Wyoming again, you know, it's, you're still growing as, as a, as a high school and a, and a college kid, but, 
Um, you know, what was your experience like there? Well, uh, I will say it was, it was kind of like putting a, like taking a cat and throwing it in water and seeing it freak out. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> if I had to say that, it was, if that's the best analogy I can give, give you. That's quite the analogy. Yeah. So I was, it was, I, I went to Wyoming, not knowing what I was doing. Um, I won't get into too many personal details, but the, this was during a time when my parents, we were trying to financially figure out, and this is the other side that it's really difficult right now, especially financially in the times we're living in mm-hmm. college is expensive. Um, I wanted to, um, go to Cal. That was kind of like my go-to place. Cause my grandfather went there to become an engineer uh, after the war. Um, and I kind of, we, we do like spreadsheets where I'm very financially literate. Once I saw the numbers about, about, how much it would cost. And I was getting a lot of scholarship from Wyoming. I, I was thinking about my long-term future of like, I don't want to be in debt for the rest of my life in student debt. And this is a very dark reality that a lot of people have to face. Um, and especially it's probably even more prevalent right now where no one's working and everyone's out of a job and the market took a, the whole economy took a tank globally. And I'm very blessed to not have debt um, financially in that, in that respect. But I didn't have a very good athletic experience. Um, I'm much more comfortable talking about it. Um, I, I blew my knee out. Um, I had a, a dislocated kneecap and I didn't uh, have the strength that I did now because I, I just it wasn't proactive. And, and probably this is where I like to take, talk and take um, topic of um, saying this, take control of your own destiny or else someone else will. And I learned that from somebody in Livermore who was worked for a facility at Lawrence Livermore Lab. And he was long retired, but he said, take control of your own destiny or someone else will. And there's plenty of people out there that will definitely use you to help them make their circumstance better at the expense of yours. So you got to portray yourself as somebody, I'm in control, I'm the captain of my ship, I am the master of my fate. And that takes a lot longer for people to figure out. And, and I learned that in Wyoming because it was very tough. It was negative 40 degree wind chill. Um, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I, I actually did art because I really just enjoyed it. And it was my strong suit, but I was told I wouldn't be good at math or science or engineering growing up because I had a learning disability. I wasn't placing in, in, in high enough in my grades and classes. And, um, and I wasn't, everybody just, doubted me a lot and for a certain point in my life I actually uh, almost became what they said I would become and um, I had a kind of this spiritual awakening not like like oh but just this awakening of just stepping outside myself and looking in saying do I like what I see if I don't which I didn't I said Uh, and I saw where I would be potentially going and I didn't like it. So I made a lot of changes and that's why I had to step away from swimming and now I'm back. Yeah. Um, when did this, when did this awakening occur for you? Well, it happened, I think in 2015, like I, I took a couple years out after college, not to do school. And I was living with my great aunt and uncle in Santa Clara and taking care of them while I was swimming over with Tony Betis and they they were ailing they one I one of them had dementia 
and dementia, Alzheimer's and lots of health issues. And I was kind of, and one, one of them was taking care of the other. And I was kind of their saving grace of just, um, when you living with somebody who has that kind of disease, it's really takes a toll on them and to have someone to talk to about it and to be there as a support, it, it's huge. Um, it, it, it's, you can't put a price tag on it. And I saw it happen and it was really crazy. And then my grandfather who was in world war II, he was a Marine who went to Cal became an engineer and I, he would did woodworking and he was an engineer and we would, put things together and it was he was a wonderful man just very huge inspiration and I had some of his journals from when he was in war and it was kind of very like whoa and but he passed away and it was and I didn't it was so like one of those things like wow one of those people that just leave your life and it was really hard and took a toll on me and I just but I said I got to get my life together I'm not happy where I'm at I'm 20 26 years old, not happy. I did not, I could not blame anybody anymore. I could not, could not, I was unhappy about a lot of things, lots of things. And I won't go into that in depth, but I just, I came back to Livermore and changed my direction. Started from square one and it paid off. It's, I mean, take me through it. What did, what did square one look like? What, what did you change? Um, and you know, what, what was the direction moving forward? I, I was swimming. Um, I, I went and went to swim for Alex Silver, who is my present coach right now. And he's a very, very great man. I respect him a lot. He's a wonderful coach. And it's too bad that I didn't have him in high school because I had much more enjoyable time with him. I love the guy to death. Um, nah, and he, and I, uh, yeah, so, and I went to the Las Positas community college to take some engineering and math courses. Cause I said, I can do better for myself. And it felt, I had to soak, soak a hard pill saying, cause my, my, the fear, you know, like that fear that talks to you is like, you're, why are you going back to community college? You already have a bachelor's degree. You're too good for that. Why are you doing that? And it's like, I had to get over that. It's okay. Um, and I stumbled upon this program, which helps hire veterans coming out of the military and they opened it up to the public. And so I enrolled and it was the best, um, I wouldn't say mistake, but one of the best decisions I ever made saying like, I got to get over my ego. And, um, I got into the course, um, I got interviewed by the laboratory and I wasn't swimming at this time. This was after 2016, um, after the Olympics. And I was like, I'm never coming back to swim. I'm done. It's, it's, um, I got to get my life figured out. And I don't think I'll ever come back to swimming ever. And I, and what's funny, it's things started happening for me. I uh, went and got an interview. I applied for an interview at the lab because that was part of our gigs. We had to do an internship, part of our two year AS degree on a fast track to help people get employed. And it's still there. It still does, does that today. Um, the, I got accepted to get as an applicant to interview at the lab. I get into the lab, and this is before I was wor- even working there, 2018, 2017. Yeah, it was 2017. It was raining. It was January timeframe. I get in, in this room, and, uh, and, and like a bunch of guys, five guys come in uh, for, who work at the laboratory. These guys are, I thought it was intimidating 
being on the stage of Olympic trials and being in the finals and stuff. No, this, this one knocked my socks off because these guys were hardcore, like engineers, scientists, people that have been there for 30 years, dedicating their life and service to this country and making sure because they deal with lots of stuff at the laboratories and Lawrence is just one of many laboratories and they, and I'm in my suit and four guys, like five guys across from the table. He goes, so what makes you worthy of working at Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory? And I'm just like pinwheeling in my head, just like, ah, just answer. And I said, calmly, well, I, I, I think I'd be a wonderful asset and in the laboratory's mission and, and help furthering the country in science and, and research and development and national security. And they said, and then we had to know the mission. If we didn't know what the mission of the laboratory is, it's like, okay, well, you obviously don't belong here. And I, they asked me more questions and, and then I, I got accepted. And uh, a few months later, they said, we want you to come work for us and we're going to give you an internship. We're going to pay, pay you. And I was like, what? kidding me so this is like music sort of like like is this a dream and i go to the laboratory i do a two-month internship uh work on a project that with a bunch of physicists and i'm just like these guys these guys are like the titans of the science community like how we see titans in swimming world these guys have dedicated their lives to this field and after and I networked a lot. I got out of my comfort zone. I was talking to people, and I'm actually friends with all these guys that interviewed me now, which is kind of funny. Um, and I landed another indeterminate work while I was there, while I was finishing my degree. Um, and I was working at a facility, which I still work at now, Jupiter Laser Facility. It's laser, so I work with lasers and high high energy density science and research. So um, that's a mouthful. And we can have like a 24 hour discussion on this and I won't go into much of that, but if you want it next time, yeah, it's time. So, but I, I get the indeterminate work. I get the internship. Um, and then they hire me full time and I was like, what? this is amazing. And then I was like, you know, maybe you should swim again. And just that little tickle in the back of your mind. And I was like, all right let's let's try it and hold on hold on it, it can't be that easy you just you get a full-time job and then all of a sudden you're like oh right, let's swim again yeah <laughs> that's, that's how no, it happened yeah. no it, it happened so fast it wasn't even funny it, it just it just i don't know it, it's I'm, I'm still amazed by it to this day because i never thought i'd be swimming this fast and this long as long as i have <clears throat> and so so when you when you got that itch to okay let's swim again um what you know what what take me through the steps you progress um in in that field um i first was i was coaching when working three different jobs at the time when i was going back to school for my associates in science degree Mm -hmm. and i said you know maybe i should go sign up for a master's meet or something like that just kick around me and i actually beat all my times in in college which i was shocked i was like what i'm 20 like 28, 27 years, I'm 28 years old. What the heck's going on here? So, so was, it, was this the master's meet in Palo Alto? Um, there was, yeah, there was one there, a master's meet in Palo Alto. I did that. And then I did another one, um, in, or in uh, Lafayette. And then okay. I said, you know, I'm going to sign up for year round. And I did with talked with Alex and he's like, let's do it. <laughs> nice. I, I was, I was at the meet in Palo Alto that uh, that you were at okay <laughs> I, my, my 
my brother was competing there and uh so we we remember seeing you there and we're like dude that that guy's pretty fast <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm pretty humble about it i just i kind of try to slide under the table with it i, I try to let my actions speak speak for me not my words yeah um and so, so you do a couple of masters meets you're like well hey you know might as well go full time um and again you know there's there's plenty of people to do it but i don't think that makes it easier um how was that balance of full-time job and full-time swimming? Well, you, sometimes you, there are some days where you got to like take a day off from swimming and, and the job is actually, I hate saying, I would say hate saying it, but it's a balance. Job is important just as the swimming is important. They both have to coexist. I sometimes have to take a day off from swimming uh, in order to, um, to, to recover recovery i mean i mean if i didn't have my job i can be doing like doubles all the time and doing all this crazy stuff and get take naps in the middle of the day no i i don't get to take naps in the middle of the day i don't get to do that luxury i'm training like i work from like 7 7 30 to 5 every day sometimes get a friday off um and and i train way i'm like up at like five o'clock 4 30 in the morning training and then i go to work and then I am trained in the afternoon in the evening when the sun's down and everyone's already eating dinner, I'm training. So it's, it's having to push it later. And food, food is like food is medicine. I treat food as medicine to help myself recover and sleep, 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 sleep. Uh, it's a regimen. It's knowing you can't, it's, you got to have everything set up in line, all your ducks lined up in a row in order to be able to go throughout the day and functioning. It's a balance. It's a juggling act. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I think that's a, that's a really good phrasing of it. You have to get your ducks in a row and then just go through them one at a time. Um, so you're doing, you do, you did doubles, you know, at least pre COVID let's say um, you were doing doubles in the pool. Yeah. I was doing doubles like in the pool and sometimes I would alternate and do like dry land and weight room stuff and and then get in the pool for like a few minutes and then in the evening i would do doubles or sometimes i'd have to take a day off in the middle of the week in order to like recover because i i just i can't i, I just because the mental stress of work and what, what how it drains me is just in sitting in meetings and listening to design reviews and and projects and stuff coming down the pipeline and deadlines it's it's like oh <laughs> so it's a lot. yeah yeah i mean you know works works hard especially you know 7 30 to 5 that's that's a lot of time um <laughs> yeah it is. It's... So, so so we saw you progressing and you know you you, you started coming out on the scene your time started dropping and you know a few heads started turning but i think you know the, the moment everyone remembers was that that clovis pro swim um you broke you broke a minute for the first time in your career at 30 years old uh which is a huge barrier for anyone at any age um tell tell me about leading into that meet what what your preparation was and what you were expecting from that performance so leading up to it um we i are the months before I had sustained a uh, shoulder injury, I had a partial tear. So I was doing tons of physical therapy and working my legs a lot and doing stuff with, not with my arms, but it's funny how during that process, my shoulders got, and my arms and upper body got a lot stronger 
through that process. And leading up to it, uh, we were doing several more, we were doing a lot of race rehearsal meets. We went to Santa Clara international meet the day before, and I was backing off weights, just like dry line weights a little bit because I had done heavy, heavy lifting. And I was like, oh, we're going to stop for a little bit. And, and I get it. And I took some vacation to go to these meets, um, the sleep and the food and the recovery. I was just, I didn't, I was going into this feeling into Clovis, like, I mean, I'm 30 years old. I got a full-time job. What the heck do I got to lose? You know, like I got nothing to lose. Um, I don't, I had no expectation. I knew I was going to go fast. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know how fast. And, and that morning when I did this morning swim, I went my best time and I was like, okay, this is interesting. So let's, um, let's just, I, I didn't think too much about it. I just went and warmed down, did the routine, just kind of not dwelling on, on things. So I try to embody this. I was embodying and I've been working and still refining it. This kind of, this, person of becoming uh, a peaceful warrior as Dan Millman would say and being in the present moment not yesterday not not tomorrow here and now this moment and I was really in the moment I didn't even I had that blurry vision behind the block I I didn't know who was in the race for God's sake I didn't have any no one in the race I didn't I didn't know anybody there I was just kind of just skulking behind the shadows and just kind of just really just saying, you know, it's really sunny outside. I like it out here. And <laughs> I, I dove in and I just went for it. And I was like, I'm ahead. This is really strange. Let's just keep going. <laughs> and uh, I, I just hit my line every time and, and just go, went for it. And I turned around and was like 59. And it, I was just ecstatic because that was just a goal that I set for myself years and years and years ago. Like when I was in high school, I was like, you know, I can, I can this can be done. Mm -hmm. Heck. Like, and so I did it. I was just ecstatic. And it was just kind of this huge, oh, it was just amazing feeling. Can I describe it? I, yeah, that makes sense. And uh, it's, how how cool of a moment to reach a goal you had set 10 plus years ago um and through you know leaving the sport entirely and coming back to it um that's it's really cool mm -hmm. um and so you you qualify for for the national team for the first time and you know like you said before um one one thing that means is that you get to go train in colorado springs um but you know what was what was that like making, making a senior national team for the first time uh, in your life? It, it was, I, and like all the things that people said that I wouldn't become in, and all like all the negativity of all those people that just doubted me and kind of just told me that this is what you're going to become. Um, it was kind of in my mind. I just said, just, you know, you, you, you keep, plowing ahead you keep staying true to yourself i mean it's just listen to that quiet little voice that speaks that's very loud but it's very quiet it's very subtle it doesn't come in front of you it comes from behind you and um i was i was really proud of myself i, I didn't i had no idea what i was getting myself into <laughs> and i didn't know the process it was just a, it, was, it was just one of those really happy one of those really happy moments of my life and um and it's, I can 
just be very proud of myself that I did it. Like I did it. I did it my way, not anyone else's way. I did it my way and I did it. No one can take it away from me. So uh, I, one, one swim nerdy technical question. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I remember, again, I remember seeing you at that master's meet in Palo Alto and every time I've seen your race since, I mean, you have, a very undulating breaststroke. You get you you get your your hips really roll well across the top of the water. Is that has that always been the case for you? Did you make a technical change at some point throughout your swim career? Um, because I mean, you look at other breaststrokers, and obviously high hips are a good thing no matter what. But you really have a, a smooth undulation that is is unique to my eyes, at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that, I'm glad you brought that up. So I've been working on this portion of my stroke for a long time, and it's still in the development uh, of really trying to have that undulation. So I, what I try to really do is use different muscle groups other than, yeah, I mean, you got to stroke with your arms and your kick and use your abdominals. But I, if you break down the human anatomy and you broke, break down the anatomy of looking and observing what happens in, in the wild and, and animals, um, we humans have this, uh, like a lumbar spine and lower back muscles. So I work, was working my back muscles a lot to open up a little bit here to support my shoulders. But then I started saying, wait a minute, can I work that, that muscle? Wow. I didn't even know I had it. So I was working those muscle groups that I don't think a lot of people take too much attention into. So when I see a cheetah running um, across the, like in a slow motion, you see them like flex that lumbar spine, like all the, like huge, like when they're running I mean they're, they're using their, that's where all the power comes from. That's where the power comes from and how they're able to run and how they just go zero to 70 in like in a second, like in minutes, like seconds, it's crazy. So I was like, you know, maybe I can implement this. And I was trying to flex my spine and trying to get it more, more, undulating more and it's actually proven to pay off but it's it's incredible amount of high attention to detail and incredible work so i try to flex the lumbar spine undulating back and forth to bring the hips up and bring uh, the ability to kick because i don't think the kick comes i don't think the power comes from the kick it comes from a single singularity point in in the stroke and i think the, the lumbar spine is where a lot of the power comes from. And then, then you have to translate and find out how, where it comes from um, in anywhere else in the stroke. But breaststrokes, <laughs> breaststroke can hate you one day and she'll love you the next day. She's just, that's the kind of relationship, love, hate, man. <laughs> she has. <laughs> so. I, yeah, I don't, think any, I don't think anyone can argue breaststroke is certainly the most finicky stroke there's so many ways to do it there's so many iterations of it and it's yeah from one day that to the next it can be a complete 180 yep you just gotta roll with it <laughs> <laughs> just gotta roll with it um so so to uh to wrap up our conversation you know moving forward into these next few weeks few months obviously there's a lot of uncertainty just in regards to will there be swim meets, you know, what, what, what will they look like? Um, you know, we, we've had one, we had us open and that was a success, I think by and large, but, uh, we don't know what the next thing's going to look like for you. What, what are you focusing on in, in these next 
couple weeks, couple months? Um, do you have short-term goals or just, you know, things you're trying to work on in the here and now? I think that's a very good question. I, I think this can really pertain to everybody. Trying, trying not to get wrapped in all the, the, the trash right now and your own personal trash and the trash around you um, putting down the iPhone, go take a walk outside and, and just, and being able to just be focusing. Cause I think we are all, as I, as I love um, the book, I've been reading a lot of books and, uh, and reading my own. And I've been doing a lot of family history research on my own family because we've had a lot of time and we found a lot of many stories about our families, which I encourage everybody to do. I mean, this, this is not the first time this has happened and it won't be the last, um, but it is the, the biggest battles that we fight are in ourselves. We, that's the way of the peaceful warrior, as Dan Millen said. We are all peaceful warriors in our own unique right. We're not all the same. If we be observant and slow down and be very present and focus, because I think this like the muscles and the body. And I mean, we're all going to be fine. I, I we're all going to be fine in that. Right. But I think this is the, the most thing that is going to make us or break us. I mean, you got to get out of it. Just be, don't give up what you love. A warrior does not give up what they love. They find the love in what they do. And, and this is, this pandemic is part of everybody's personal training. You can choose to be whatever you want to be or act or react. Warrior X, only a fool reacts. And I think we all need to embrace the sense of not trying to worry about tomorrow. And I'm no saint by any means and letting go of a past that we can never change. Um, and being fully present like i was in clovis i was present that was the most present person and essence that i ever was and that is where i want to get back to again being present that's all we have that's good good words to end on uh brandon i really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk with me today i know you're working full-time today so uh again i really appreciate it no my pleasure and uh anytime you've been listening to the swim swam podcast stay tuned for new episodes every week you can take swim swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.